0: The march is on. This is Josh Swanson, host of Heard It Here with Swanee, every Saturday morning from 8 to 9 a.m. on 740 The Fan. I'll get you amped up for tailgating, kickoff, and bison football with my high-octane takes and analysis of all things bison. That's Heard It Here with Swanee, Saturday mornings 8 to 9 on the region's number one sports station, 740 The Fan, 107.3 FM, and 740TheFan.com.
1: It's the Bison Illustrated podcast. And Wentz is going to keep it. Wentz in the left zone. The Bison retake the lead. It's over. North Dakota State advances to the round of 32
0: as they pull the upset. Against the five-seeded Oklahoma Sooners. First ever tournament win. And the Bison have done it. They have reclaimed their place atop the medal with the national championship.
1: With senior columnist Josh Swanson and editor Nolan Schmidt.
0: Two of the top elite programs in F. CS football will clash this weekend as the 8 0 North Dakota State buys and ranked number two in the national polls. Take on, traveling south down I 29, those dastardly Jack <laughs> Rabbits of South Dakota State, the 6 and 2 bunnies, ranked number nine in the stats. FCS poll at Dana Dyke House Stadium. A lot on the line. This is the Bison Illustrated Podcast where champions come to podcast. I'm senior columnist Josh Swanson along with editor-in-chief of the Bison Illustrated, Brady Drake, and it is finally here. A matchup a lot of Bison fans have been waiting for since last spring when the Jacks came into the Fargo Dome and a lot of folks forget. A lot of folks forget, including Bison fans, yes. South Dakota State entered this season as a local sports columnist who is not me. As the most complete team in the FCS, there was some merit in warrant to that. They beat Colorado State early, but they have dropped their first two home conference games to Southern Illinois and Northern Iowa. And now it's the Bison who are undefeated and number two in the country, looking like the team that's poised to make a national championship run after demolishing Indiana State 44-2 last week. The Jacks, fresh off a 47-16 win at Youngstown. These games are always close for as much garbage and crap that I give to the blue and yellow of South Dakota State even though the North Dakota State is 11-3 and since 2011, since the championship run started, the Bison are 11-3, and including 4-0 and in the playoffs against the Jacks. These games, Brady Drake are always tight, and we should have a hell of a good football game in Brookings this weekend.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're talking about two powerhouses going at it here. Uh, SDSU third in scoring in the country. I don't think NDSU has gone against that sort of power yet. Um, yeah, really should be interesting. W- would you say this is going to be the biggest test of the season so far?
0: Yeah, I think so. And it's you know, if you ask the coaches on both sides, the the week you're playing is always the biggest week, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. After this game, if North Dakota State can beat the Jacks, and prove to nine and they probably only need a split in their last two games. Youngstown State is. The doormat of the valley this year. Then they wrap up the season. The herd does with a home game against South Dakota, who's better than they were last year, but kind of an up and down South Dakota team. So if the Bison can get past this game, there's really not a lot standing between them and a top two seed in the playoffs. And for the Jackrabbits, they're fighting for a seed and for a bye in the playoffs. At six and two, and with losses to Northern Iowa and Southern Illinois. If they were to win this game, all of a sudden that puts them back into the discussion for uh, being a top-eight seed and getting that all-important buy. So for, for both teams, you want to win this game for a bunch of reasons. One, it's huge for your resume come playoff time. South Dakota State, if they can win, the Missouri Valley Football Conference uh, conference championship is still within their sights. If they lose and the Bison win, then, then the Bison can't, they can't quite clinch the conference title but they're sitting in awfully good sh- shape if they were to win and move to 6-0 and so you got a valley title uh, not at stake but certainly heavy title implications the dakota marker at stake and and both both teams want that momentum heading late into the year neither one of these schools likes each other a whole bunch they're often in recruiting battles against one another and it's grown to be this game one of the marquee games and, and signature games in all of the FCS. So for a lot of reasons, Brady, yeah, I, I agree that this is likely the biggest regular season game for for both the Bison and the Jacks for for a lot of reasons. But, uh, you know, particular for, particularly if you're North Dakota State, you've heard about how South Dakota State is the Johnny-come-lately. They're the ones that came into the season with all the, the, the hype, rated higher than the Bison, and they're the ones that got to Frisco last spring not North Dakota State. So I think the Bison are going to be hungry to to recapture, if you will, that uh, upper spot in the Valley after South Dakota State kind of took it away from them in the spring.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, this is, this is definitely a different uh, NDSU team than SDSU saw last season. I think, I mean, Cam Miller is a completely different player, although we don't exactly know – for certain what's going to happen with the quarterback situation, I think we can both assume that Cam Miller's going to get the start on Saturday. Um, yeah, should should be a fun one, man, for sure.
0: Yeah, with Cam, Cam's performance, I think you're right. I was asked on a Doug and Dan in the morning on KFGO this week about that. After a 7-9 a performance against Missouri State coming in for relief and throwing for a buck 12 in those two big scores, Cam was dynamite against, and I know it's Indiana State, but he still had to come in and perform, and we saw something we hadn't seen all year, and that was the tight end pass game where Cam early on had that 55-yard completion to Josh Babich. Babbage finished two catches for 58 yards and a touchdown, a tight end back in the end zone. Noah Gindorf had that big catch for 43 yards. It was actually the two tight ends, Gindorf and Babbage, that led the herd in receiving. And, and and Miller, for his part, finished today 10 of 14 for 179 yards and three touchdowns and what's refreshing for me when you take it those 179 yards passing only 23 of them were to Christian Watson Christian finished with two catches for 23 yards and you saw other excuse me I think he had four catches four catches for 23 yards and of course a touchdown beautiful touchdown catch and throw by the way Cam kind of rolling out against the grain going to his left and flipping that ball but when you have Babich with two catches, Gindorf with a catch, Sproles with two catches, and Zach Mathis had that big 26-yard catch, and, and Hunter Lepke, that uh, red zone touchdown catch. To me, that that diversity, you've got 11 receptions, and, and you had, what, three, six, eight guys catching the ball, seven guys catching the ball. To me, that bodes well for the Bison offense because Indiana State or South Dakota State, whoever, can try to lock down Watson – But then what happened when they brought the blitzes? We saw early Indiana State was bringing the blitzes, and when they did, Tameric Williams on that big 55-yarder to Babich did an outstanding job picking up the blitz. Cam got the ball to Babich, and he was off to the races. And what happened? The defense stopped bringing the heat all the time. And then what happened? The Bison running game opened up. It's those kind of little things, that complimentary football that you and I have talked about here on the Bison Illustrated Podcast brought to you by Shields. If you're heading south to Brookings this weekend, it's supposed to be a gorgeous day in the 60s for early November. But be sure to check out their wide assortment of bison gear. I know I'll be sorting, sporting, sorting, wearing a bison hoodie and hat from Shields to the game. But but to me, you know, Cam Cam was impressive against Indiana State, and that allowed a couple things to happen. One Finding some of those tight ends and other wide receivers, not named Watson, but I think the fact that that Cam, his ability to, to be decisive and throw the ball, really opened things up with the Bison rushing attack.
1: And just cool. I mean, you you talked about the pressure. I you know I can't I can't remember what the exact situation was, and I think it was only like a five six yard completion. But I watched one play where you had the defender coming off the edge um, from the right side, so. Cam does Cam a play. F- Cam does a play fake. Or is it? Let the- me
0: back up. Cam's left or right? Are we talking? Right. So okay, he's he's, right. he's coming. Gotcha. He's, okay. he's not coming from the blind gotcha. side. Okay.
1: Yep. He's coming from the front side of Cam. So Cam does a play fake. He's got a blitzer right in his face. Instead of panicking, doing whatever, he literally just looked to the other side of the field and hit the receiver on the hitch. Just boom, like that. And that's something. That's something I don't think we've seen much this year. So I mean, I I think. That was super impressive of him, and I i mean, I think that's what the Bison need going forward.
0: It, to, to me, too, I think Quincy, I agree, Cam's going to start. The way he's been playing for the offense, it seemed between the Indiana State game and going back to that last quarter, quarter and a half against Missouri State, the Bison offense is finally starting to look like how we thought the Bison offense right. might might look like as the year has, has progressed on here you have to ride the hot hand. Your offense is playing with a lot of confidence with Cam. But I think we'll we'll see some packages maybe, depending down distance and the situation of the game. I, I don't know that it's going to be, hey, we're going to put in Quincy on the third drive and see what happens. If Cam is playing well and the as an offense is humming and clicking right along, mm-hmm. maybe we don't see Quincy at all. But I would suspect that there are plays in different packages particularly when we talk situational football, down, distance, the spot in the game, where Quincy could end up playing a role in this game. So that that will, that will remains to be seen, but we do know that South Dakota State is going to have to prepare as if Quincy Patterson could play and have a game plan put together for him. I suspect that the Jacks are going to spend most of their time focused on a buys and offense with Cam Miller, mm-hmm. but they will be very, very aware of number two and if number 2 lines up under center that'll change the the responsibilities for SDSU's defense as far as that that uh, quarterback run game. So that's kind of one of the the interesting pieces of this chess match between these two teams and and even though I alluded to earlier NDSU is um, what 11 and 3, 11 and 3 since 2011 in 14 games against the Jacks, the Bison have won 11 of them. It, it doesn't really seem that way, and maybe it's because of recency where I'm not taking away with I'm not taking away anything from NDSU's dominance of this rivalry since twenty eleven, but with the fact South Dakota State is the team coming off a national championship appearance, and North Dakota State is trying to get back there. And these games have been really close. It's not a situation where NDSU has been winning all of these Dakota marker games and even playoff matchups against the Jacks by double digits. You know, of course, there's that 2018 FCS semifinal win. I think it was like 44, 42 to 22. Where Easton Stick just went off, man, for like five total touchdowns, like 150 rushing yards, 170 passing yards. Most of the games have been tight one-score ball games. They've been very neck-and-neck. Neck. These two teams, you mentioned it earlier. South Dakota State is number three in the country in scoring offense. NDSU is number one in the country in in scoring defense. Something's got to give there. Yeah. Now I don't I don't think SDSU is going to put up. They're averaging 42 points a game. They only scored 26 against Northern Iowa a few weeks ago. That was a 26 to 17 loss if I remember right. It was a 9-point loss by the Jacks. SDSU really struggled to run the ball, 25 carries for 60 yards. I think we're probably going to see more of a a 27-24 kind of ball game mm-hmm. where that that quarterback play now the way i see it and we'll get to the the Indiana. there's really not much to talk about with the indiana state game india you blew the doors off 44 to 2 so we're going to talk about you know obviously kobe johnson 97 yard run longest play from scrimmage and bison football history the defense did what it does cam miller was outstanding the tight end passing game was back in the fold is there anything else for Indiana State are we missing? I mean, that was a butt whooping. Is there anything uh, else about Indiana State we need to talk about?
1: That seems like it's about it. Cole Payton looked good.
0: Cole Payton did look good. He had that touchdown run where he even faked the camera guy out there. He uh, ran for that. I think was it a 18-yard touchdown in the third quarter. Siegel, the defensive back from Omaha, like Payton had that that nice interception. Um Jackson Hankey big goal line stop there on the fourth and one. Then a few plays later, Kobe took it to the house, 97 yards. But really, this is Dakota Marker week. This game, what we're going to focus the podcast on today, rightfully so, is this you know the biggest matchup in the FCS this week, if not this week, all season with with SDSU. What jumps out to me, Matt Zimmer, who's their beat writer for the Argus Leader in Sioux Falls. I've had him on. I heard it here with Swanee before the radio show on 740 AM, the fan, good dude, good follow on Twitter. Um, He had a column this week about how SDSU just plays a lot better on the road, and at home they haven't played real well. I think it's as simple, respectfully, Matt, as the Jacks have lost both football games to the really good teams they've played. When they've played upper echelon teams in the Valley, Southern Illinois and Northern Iowa, they lost to them when South Dakota State played kind of the, the lower-tier Valley teams in Youngstown State and Indiana State and Western Illinois, they beat them by a lot of points. So I, I don't know that it has as much to do with playing at home versus on the road as it does with the fact that SDSU has lost both football games this year. They've played two really good teams, and that's that's what makes I think this game so important for especially South Dakota State, Brady. If they lose, they've got three losses. And are they going to win one more game in their next three? Probably. But you don't want to be in that situation where, okay, you lose this game, all of a sudden you're sitting there at six and three and three and three in the league. And if you're SDSU, you've still got North Dakota left, who is in a layup. I know UND is sitting there three and five overall, one and four in the league. They're giving teams close ball games. And eventually it's not like they're getting blown out. Eventually they're gonna break through and win one of those games. So they still have to play UND and they still have to play South Dakota, a big rivalry game in its own right. And if SDSU goes into that game needing to win it to make the play, well, they, they play next week because NDSU wraps the year against South Dakota. But Jacks lose this game. All of a sudden, they're sitting 6-3, and 3-3. Three, three and three. Now they have to go play South Dakota. That puts a lot more pressure on that game where you've got to win one of your next two to even get into the playoffs. So especially for the Jacks, they're looking for not just another win toward playoff qualifying, but who have they beat? Colorado State, you know, no disrespect to them. They're a garbage team. They're a very bad FBS team. Their record reflects that. South Dakota State does not have a quality win on its schedule. And I know, you know, I like Sam Herter. Sam's a good dude. Craig Haley's a good dude. Brian McLaughlin, all those guys that cover the FCS nationally. An FBS, I'm tired of the FBS, the, the teams in the FCS. When you're looking at playoff qualifying, will they beat an FBS team? Beating Kansas, really, mm-hmm. beating a real crappy Colorado State team. Beating Colorado State is not as impressive as knocking off, as NDSU's win against Missouri State or against Northern Iowa this year, right? So to, to me, you know, you can, the, the Colorado State win, whatever, outside of that. And I'll give it to SDSU. They played on the road in that one. Who else have they beaten?
1: I will say, I you know maybe a lot of people don't look at it this way. The Southern Illinois loss, I mean, a one point loss to a team like that—that's a a quality loss if you're going to count that.
0: At home though, in a game they led twenty to zero. True, and and, and you know you're right. It's you know it, it, I've never liked that that moniker, the quality loss. I understand that what what you mean and what the committee is trying to say is look, they played a team that's rated in the top ten in Southern Illinois, who I believe was number three this past week before losing to Northern Iowa, and they lost by a point in overtime because they SDSU, Southern Illinois got the ball to start overtime, kicked the extra point, they're up seven, SDSU scored a touchdown. Shortly thereafter, and instead of tying it on an extra point in the first overtime, they went for two, and Ola Dukin was locked in. I watched that game. Ola Dukin was locked in on the tight end right away, and he threw it right into the back of the Southern Illinois defender who was standing between him, in his tight end. So quality loss, it's, it's a loss against a team that's really, really good by a point, absolutely. When you take a look at who they've beaten, so if you and I are sitting in that playoff selection room, and let's say South Dakota State loses to NDSU, and even if they sit there with seven wins, if they have eight wins, they're getting in. But let's say they split with UND and USD and, USD and lose to the Bison. So that means they're sitting there at seven and four. That's a long night waiting because they're going to look at, does the, does the win against Colorado State get them in? Yes, this is a very weak field. I mean, this is a very weak FB, uh, FCS field. So, yeah, they they probably get in, but they're going on the road somewhere, right? So I, for, for a lot of reasons, like we said earlier, but especially SDSU, it's such a big game. They're going to be hungry, though, too. They're going to have a chip on their shoulder because they have lost twice in the last three games, and they had a lot of lofty goals set for this season. They expected to be a top – seed in the playoffs and get home field advantage last year in the spring. They were the number one seed in the playoffs and they had home field advantage all the way down to Frisco, Texas. So there's a lot, there's always what's, what's interesting to me, Brady is that there's always so many storing storylines to this game, right? And is going down there to Brookings NDSU excuse me, going to Brookings SDSU is trying to get kind of some momentum back swinging in its favor. You have the cam Miller red hot quarterback thing, Ducan right now is completing 61% of his passes, 16 touchdowns, probably an all-Valley kind of guy to only three picks. Pierre Strong is the best running back in, in the Missouri Valley, 12 touchdowns, averaging 123 points per game. And, and South Dakota State, they don't have, you know, Oladouken's averaging 229 yards passing per game. They don't have that receiver like a Watson, right? They've got a lot of guys like the Yankee Twins and Tucker Cra- Tucker Craft. Their tight end actually leads the team with uh, receptions with 40 catches for 501 yards and four TDs. So there's a lot of guys they can go to there. So it's 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 a lot of matchups, but let's start with this. Let's, let's talk about the matchup a little bit. If I ask you, uh, if, if I say to you, the Bison beat South Dakota State and got the win in Brookings, what needs to happen? What would your reasons why be?
1: Oh, man. I, you know, I... <laughs> It's funny because my my brain immediately goes, uh, you know, generic football guy, win the turnover margin. Yes. But, I I mean, I think that's a a huge thing. Um, And then, obviously, the other obvious one stops on third downs. But I I think, um, you know, keeping that success in the ground game, I think, is going to be super important for NDSU. Because, you know, we've seen when that doesn't work, the offense doesn't seem to quite click the way it normally does. Although, you know, Cam is... Seems to be adding a different element to the passing game that would maybe help to balance that out a little bit. But I, I would say establishing the run and then obviously winning the turnover margin.
0: And what's interesting there segue NDSU is fifth in the country in turnover margin, the fifth best team. SDSU is the 14th best team. So by and large, both these teams do a really good job taking care of the ball. What's interesting when you take a look at fourth down, excuse me, third down defense. NDSU has the second-rated third-down defense in the country. They're only allowing opponents to convert 21% of their third downs. SDSU, on the other hand, is allowing opponents to convert 35%, so more than one out of three third downs. So I I think you're right. These games always seemingly come down to who can convert on a third down and who can get off the field if if you're a defense, and then the turnovers. It's, it's It's so fundamental to football. But especially in these games, the historically between NDSU and South Dakota State, it's what they turn on. And I think you're absolutely right. And I'll throw one more at you. Red zone touchdowns in both schools. If you take a look at the, I was looking through some numbers earlier this week. Both schools have really struggled to score touchdowns when they're in the red zone. You know, NDSU's troubles scoring in the red zone this season. Touchdowns have been well documented. But take a look at South Dakota State, too. That's what really surprised me looking at them, was their red zone touchdown percentage. And I think the team that does a better job, because I think I think what we're going to see is both teams are going to be able to move the ball between the 30s, and then the defenses are really going to buckle down, right? And once either team gets the ball to that other team's 30-yard line, but especially in the red zone, which one can walk away with the touchdowns? Versus which one has to try the field goals? I think that that's going to decide the game. I I, I really do. So I mean, the Bison looked good. W- w- what was encouraging to me last week in the red zone there that uh, little rollout pass to Hunter Lepke on that third and one, and then there was that play where Indiana State forgot to cover. I like think it was Gindorf there, or no, it was Babbage forgot to cover Babbage on the edge. He was lined up on the left and uh, right in the the one two yard line. Nobody in front of him. Cam you know took the snap, took a step back and just floated a, a wide open pass to him. But then you, you figure you, you, you mix into that fact, you know, okay, third down and two, or even first down and four. Do you bring in a Quincy Patterson on the goal line? Third down and one, third, third and one, third, you know, from the third and goal from the one. Maybe a fourth and goal from the one. How tempting is it gonna to be to bring in a Quincy Patterson? And just try to ram that thing in. Or Hunter Lipke. You know, you saw him with that that nice little touchdown pass that I alluded to. So there's a lot of a lot of I don't know, just a lot of things circling in my head about this game and, and, and who knows, maybe it won't come down to that. Maybe this is a game where, you know, it's a fourth and one from your own twenty nine yard line and the buys and go for it and Adam Cofield, like he did in the fall of twenty nineteen, busts a seventy one yard run for a touchdown after just a crazy sequence. So this was you know, this is before you were at the Illustrated Brady. The last time these teams played in a normal regular season, that's that was when college game day was down in Brookings, and NDSU took a two-touchdown lead in the fourth, or in the, yeah, in the third quarter, second half. Looked like they were in control. SDSU comes back to tie it. Then the Bison have it, and on a third down, they had a tight end open, and, and the play call was there. They just didn't execute. And I, I can't remember if uh, Dimitri Williams, I think he was the running back on it, did a halfback pass and threw an interception. So the Jacks got the ball with about three minutes and change left in field goal range from their All-American kicker at the time. who had been kind of streaky and, and inconsistent at, at that point of the season, his senior year. But they had the ball with under, with like three, three and a half left at NDSU's 30. And then they try a goofy-ass pass on a third and long, which I think Josh Hayes picked off. And then NDSU gets the ball, ends up with a fourth and one at SDSU's 29, with like a minute and change left or just a hair over two minutes. And they go for it. Right? And everyone's thinking Trey Lance keeper. Trey Lance hands off to Adam Cofield who busts a 71-yard touchdown run. So sometimes endings like that happen, but but I can tell you, I think you're right. The fact that shoe was able to, to have some early success throwing the ball. And, that, and I guess Indiana State, the Bison came out looking to throw the ball early, kind of like they did against uh, Illinois State. SDSU in, in total pass defense so far this year is 64th in the country. SDSU has given up 224 yards in the air per game. Now, part of that is probably a product of the fact they've had some big leads and teams have been trying to throw the ball against them. But their pass defense was very suspect against Southern Illinois a couple weeks ago. So both neither team, I'll say this, Brady, both teams are very, very good. Each team, despite the fact NDSU is 8-0 and SDSU six 6-2, they do have – there are issues and areas where the opponent is going to look to exploit. But, you know, I I really do think this is – you hit it spot on. Whichever team runs the ball better has an advantage because if you're running the ball better, what does that do? It puts your quarterback in more makeable third downs. It keeps you ahead of the sticks. And now instead of asking your quarterback to throw the ball 30 times and to win the game, if if the buy is in the last few games, like against the Indiana State game, for example, and I say this a billion times – if the Bison only have to throw the ball 14 times, they're going to win the football game. If their quarterback's that 10 of 14, 12 of 16, 13 for 18, that means the Bison are able to run the ball. If the Bison are having to throw the ball 30 times, that's that's not where they succeed. That's not a good look for them. And if you look back to that South Dakota State game in the Fargo Dome last spring, SDSU or you know, NDSU couldn't get the ball, couldn't run the ball, couldn't run the ball, 37 rushes, for ninety-seven yards, two point six yards per plate. If that happens on Saturday, the Bison are, are in a whole heap of trouble.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I still would have more hope, you know, with the way the passing offense is looking right now than than that being the stat last year. Um, you know, you to go back to talking about the possible Quincy Patterson insertion, I mean, I I think the Bison are in a really advantageous position with that. Um, because he did play meaningful snaps in a traditional quarterback role and as a starter because you know it's not like with the with the gophers um, a few years ago or I guess the last few years when they utilized Seth Green around the goal line it seems like they strictly ran him I mean defenses I mean I, I don't know what advantage that really provides other than having it you know an extra blocker you know I mean you might as well run, well run the wildcat instead of having him come in. And
0: SDSU's done that a little bit too. They've added a wildcat wrinkle, so you probably expect to see some of that, but I think, you know, UND tried that against NDSU, Illinois State, tried it, it didn't really work, so I think that's something, you know, I'm I'm glad you brought it up because it would have slipped my mind, but I think that's something NDSU has done a good job this year when whether it was a UND or an Illinois State brought in kind of that wildcat dude, they did a really nice job shutting it down, but that's, you know, to me with Quincy, that's what's so interesting, right, because if you're if you're the defense coordinator for South Dakota State and you see Quincy coming, what are you thinking right off the top of your head?
1: I mean, you're thinking you're thinking key run, Quarterback but it, but run, it, but yeah. it's it's not like a Seth Green or a Wildcat yep. where you can just sell out for the run because he has shown that he can pop a pass over you. Because he's hit Christian Watson on a
0: bunch of big touchdowns, I and mean, when you do watch the tape, you're going to see on the season that Quincy. I mean, he started he started six games for the Bison and the Bison were 6-0 in those games. So you're exactly right. It's not your kind of traditional Wildcat where the only pass is going to be maybe that dump kind of pass or the play fake where the the, the Wildcat guy playing quarterback has one read, and it's the tight end going down the field or the wide receiver, and if he's not open, you pull it down and you try to run it. But with, with Quincy, you're thinking quarterback run, but you know that he's popped some big ones on the money to Watson. So you got to tell your guys, look, look, run, but don't get sucked in. Watch that play action and everything else. Now, on the flip side of it, you know, the, the issue is if you're Matt Ans and Tyler Roll, how big of stones do you got? You try something <laughs> like that? Like they did two years, two years ago, Matt Ans. Matt Ents is a football player's coach. He is unap- he's unapologetic. He wears his emotions on his sleeve, and he's gonna put the ball game in the hands of his players. I, I love, I love that about, about coach, coach Enns. He's not the CEO suit and tie kind of guy like, like some coaches. Fourth and one from your own 29, tied up with two minutes left, that took some huge, huge stones, man. That took grapes, the size, <laughs> <laughs> the size of the Fargo Dome to do something like that. So if you're Stigmayer, you've got to know that. That the bias, they got Patterson in. Even if it might be a run situation or you think it's fourth and one, don't put it past them to try something kind of off the wall. And and in these games, South Dakota State, they've they've tried trickery. They've pulled out the, all kinds of stops in the playbook. And part of it is why I'm uh, expecting more of that kind of 24-21, 27-24 kind of game. These teams know each other so well. And I know South, NDSU on paper has got you know the third rank, uh, excuse me, uh, number one scoring defense. Well, stsu has got the 13th ranked scoring defense. They're only giving up 17 points per game. And if you take away that 44 spot that uh, Southern Illinois hung up against them, they're playing really, really well. So I think this is a situation going back to when I said if the if the Bison get the ball in the red zone, you need to end with a touchdown. If you're South Dakota State, you get it in the red zone, you need to end with a touchdown because the team that does a better job of that, I, I think that points are going to be such at a premium that Whoever does that probably wins the ball game. But I, I you know, having said that, man, who who knows, right? These rivalry games, especially between NDSU and SDSU, have all had a different they've been tight, but they've all had a different kind of flavor to them. Let's talk a little bit about Chris Oladuke and if you're NDSU, where NDSU's been particularly, I mean, they've number one defense in the country, you're gonna be good all around. And there really is no weakness. In the buys and defense, particularly against the run, they're super stout. And SDSU is going to try to establish a run. But we saw a few times where Missouri State got behind those buys and defensive backs. And you take a look at a guy like Ola Dukin, who's thrown the ball for 230 yards per game, 16 scores. I have to believe that SDSU, especially early, is going to take some shots down the field. It's going to be 63 degrees and sunny, no wind. I think SDSU early on is going to try to test this Bison secondary and get behind him.
1: What is your – so I I would never lie to our listeners. I I actually have not watched an SDSU game this year. What is your assessment of Oladuke, and how does he compare to Grinowski?
0: He's good. It's tough to say because Grinowski, when he came to the Fargo Dome last year in that game, his his strength was – I mean, he was 10 to 14 passing for a buck 49, had a touchdown. He was sacked four times. Right, I think Oladuken might be a little more mobile. But having said that, Gronowski ran the ball 16 times for 126 yards and really gashed the Bison. But going into that game, Gronkowski hadn't run the ball a whole lot. Mm-hmm. They kind of held that in their hip pocket. And for the North Dakota State game, the quarterback, the quarterback run game was clearly part of the game plan. I think the Bison will be prepared for that. Oladuken's good. Like he's he's a guy. He's he's not someone who is going to run the ball a bunch. You know, he's i don't want to say he's not a dual threat guy what i've seen of him he moves well in the pocket he's smart in his decision making he's got 16 touchdowns and only three interceptions you know that's better than a four to one touchdown to int ratio that's impressive so it, it tells me i've seen you know i watched all the Colorado State game and you can almost throw that away it was so long ago but watching that southern illinois game and even that unI game it's not that he was missing even though he, i think he finished something crazy like 24 or 49. Like he's only 44% throwing it. If memory serves right, there's a lot of drops by his wide receivers. So he he's a really good quarterback. And they in the Jacks you know, have had really really good quarterbacks historically. So I think NDSU will be prepared for that. He's, you have to be careful with with what SDSU. You know, I I know I give them I make fun of them on on the radio show and here. They're very very well coached, and I wouldn't put anything beyond them. I wouldn't put it beyond them to try to. Why I don't think you're going to see a lot of running from Ola Dukin and why they're going to want to keep him in the pocket, they really don't have anyone behind him. Mm-hmm. If he goes down, they're in a turd bag of trouble, man. It's turd sandwich city if Ola Dukin goes down. Not a saving grace, but if you're the buys and you know that. With Miller and Patterson, you have two guys who have started games and that you can trust in your offense. With with SDSU at the quarterback spot, you know the reason they brought in Ola Dukin after Gronowski got hurt last year was because they didn't trust Keaton Heidi did an admirable job. He's a backup guy. They don't want Keaton Heidi playing quarterback. And Keaton Heidi playing quarterback against the Bison defense hasn't gone all that well. So so I suspect, you know, my take on Ola Dukin, they're gonna to want to keep him upright. That's one of the biggest the biggest things in the game when you talk about individual matchups. NDSU is one of the best teams in the country when it comes to uh, pressuring the quarterback and, and I'm trying to buy time as I look through the stat sheet. To find the number of quarterback sacks and pressures, but if there's one thing about this bison defense on the season, thirty-one freaking sacks.
1: And I'll tell you what 31 that
0: thirty-one freaking sacks in seven games. That's more than four sacks per game.
1: That that number almost doesn't even matter. I mean, you look out the you look at the way they're rolling out. I mean, it they're like twelve deep on the defensive line. They can roll out. Line change. A, line yeah, change. I said yeah. that
0: I said that I was watching. I was sitting with uh, my good buddy Todd Cattermas and my brother. I, I have my own seats in section 17, but I sat with TK and my brother in the end zone. And I noticed at times I would, you know, I would nudge my brother or TK. I'm like, we literally just did an entire line change. Four new defensive linemen. It's ridiculous. In and out. Nobody else does that. So especially in the second half, as the two, these two teams kind of feel each other out, you know, I think we're going to have like a 13-7 type of game at the half, a low scoring game. And I think that's going to be a thing to watch. Can NDSU's defensive line, the way they cycle all those guys in and out, the time of possession and who's able to run the ball will also play into it. But if NDSU can start to wear down that SDSU offensive line, 31 sacks. 31 sacks. And NDSU's only given up 10 sacks on the year. But if you can get to Ola Dukin and start putting him on his back, that's a problem for South Dakota State because that's a guy they want to keep upright. They don't want him taking hits at all. I mean, Bison don't want Cam Miller taking hits, but I think we're, we're probably more likely to see some of that quarterback run game from Cam and Quincy, so I think that's one of the biggest things to be paying attention to, you know, start five and a start, five-and-a-half sacks. On, and the, the Bison sacks, what's so impressive, Javier Darrett, three sacks on the season. The Moss start twins, the Bash brothers, we're just going to start calling as fellow twin, the most starred, Eli and uh, Will are twins. As a fellow brethren twin, Will and Eli, I'm hereby christening you the Bash brothers because on the season, three and a half plus five and a half, nine sacks yeah. between the two of them. Nine sacks coming from guys playing on the... I know they've kind of moved. I think it's uh, 50, 53, the one brother, uh, not Will, um, Eli. Eli. They've moved 53 to more of that edge, I think. In mm-hmm. recent weeks, or since Wade uh, Wagey went down, they've kind of been moving him around. But anytime you can get that amount of pressure from your interior, you know, Logan McCormick, two sacks. Costner Ching, half a sack. Javier Derrick, three sacks. Will Mostert, three and a half sacks. Kayser's got a sack. I hope Kayser could play. That's a difference maker. He has not played, I think, since what the North Dakota game or even before the North Dakota game. He's missed the last month. You know, Lochica, uh, Lo- is it Lo- uh, Roquez, sack and a half. Ogbu sack and a half. We haven't heard a lot from him um, lately. Jackson Hankey, sack. That dude's just a stud. That stop on the fourth and fourth and goal where it was just him and the dude in the alley, and someone had to give, and the running back had the full head of steam, and he ran into a damn brick wall. Yeah, you don't see that and too Hankey often. Just fell down, collapsed. You know, uh, Jaseer's got a sack, and of course, his three picks. Wisniewski with a sack. Eubanks with a sack. Lane Tucker with two and a half sacks. Braden Thomas with four sacks. There's a lot of places on that defense where that sack's coming from. It's not a situation where of the 31 sacks, you got some dominating defensive end who's got 10 of them. The pressure's coming from everywhere. So I think that's one of the big stories, too, in the game. Who's going to win that line of scrimmage between the NDSU defensive line and the South Dakota State offensive line?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm putting my money on NDSU for that. Yeah, I that's mean, why, I really...
0: yeah I, I'm with you, man. That's why I, it's going to be a tight game, and uh, I think NDSU is going to ultimately prevail, and I think that's a big part of it. I think NDSU's defensive line, for the Bison to go down there and win, they're going to need to do a good job on that. They're going to need to do a good job getting pressure on South Dakota State and then wrapping up Pierre Strong in the backfield. That guy's a bowling ball. You can't. You no, NDSU did a nice job. You see great backs in the Missouri Valley every week. Otis Weah, obviously, from UND earlier in this year. And they've seen some other guys, but none of them is as good as Pierre Strong. You need to do a good job containing that guy. You have to. How did Northern Iowa beat SDSU a few weeks ago? They shut down Pierre Strong. And I think, you know, if SDSU wants to stay in this ball game, I don't think they're going to want to throw the ball 40 or 50 times because what does that do? That gives, you know, NDSU's D-line are gonna be all over Duke and You're opening him up to taking shots, taking hits. Um, I think they're gonna to wanna to get Pierre Strong going. And if NDSU can shut that down, you know, that's just such a big part of the ball game. But but NDSU, the same could be true for NDSU. They're gonna to want to do a good job establishing the run game, putting Miller in those second and, and fives, those third and shorts, and moving the sticks on first down. But I what I what really intrigues me and gets me excited about this game. Not only do these two schools know each other so well, there's a lot of good playmakers across the board for, for both these schools and both these programs, and they're both very, very well coached. And to see the different chess matches occurring in the game is really, really fascinating to watch. And I know one of the things that does concern me, and something that could have an impact, I mean, we, we should say everything's going to have an impact because then we're going to be right. So we can go back on the tape and we can say next week, we told you that if the Bison defensive line could get pressure, they'd win. We told you who's ever quarterback would play better would win. We told you who would ever do a better job scoring in the red zone, taking care of the ball. Both teams on kick returns, if you take a look, NDSU is 84th in the country on kick returns. It's not real good. You know who's even worse? South Dakota State is 106th in the country in kick returns. Or are we going to see a big special teams play? SDSU's had some field goals blocked. Is this the game where Christian Watson, they kick it and he pops one, right? Um, Jaden Price is Jayden always Price. dangerous. He's, yeah, always dangerous for punts. So that's something else. A big special team is playing. Historically in this game, special teams in a game or two in the Dakota Marker here historically have played pretty, pretty big roles. And that uh, Southern Illinois game that SDSU lost, well, even the UNI, UNI game they lost, the Southern Illinois game, they're up, uh, boy, seven points. Like three and a half minutes left, they're lining up to kick like a 38 yard field goal or something, and it gets blocked. They make that field goal, they're up two scores, 10 points, with about three and a half left. You know, ball game's not done, but you got to feel pretty good about yourself with a 10 point lead with three and a half minutes left. Field goal gets blocked. Southern Illinois goes down to score, ties the game. Northern Iowa, SDSU's down nine fourth quarter, lining up for a field goal to make it a one possession, six point game. Misses a field goal. You know who might be the wild card in all this? Jake Reinholz. Jake Reinholz has been absolutely money for North Dakota State kicking the ball. So that's that's something else too. You know, if you're a coach in those situations lining up late in game, you're if you're Stigemeyer, let's say situation repeats itself, you're down nine with three minutes left, or four minutes left, or or even five minutes left. Let's, let's say this here's a scenario Brady on the Bison Illustrated Podcast brought to you by Shields and Shields Holman Hardware on 13th. As winter approaches, I know it's going to be in the 60s. And Bison fans and Jacks fans are going to be out tailgating and grilling. Snow is coming on the way. It's inevitable. Shields Holman Hardware is a fine selection of snow blowers. It's where I got my Toro that throws snow. You can catch this podcast where you find all other podcasts on Apple, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Subscribe for free on iTunes. Search Bison Illustrated. Give us that vaunted five-star review. But there's five minutes left in the game, Brady. And you're John Stigmeyer, South Dakota State. You've got a fourth and let's call it a fourth and eight. So it's a fourth and one, fourth and two. I think it changes, changes the play call. But it's fourth and eight. And you're on NDSU's, say you're on NDSU's 28-yard line. So you're looking at a 46-yard, 45-46-yard kick. Down nine. Five minutes left with uh, some of the kicking issues you've had late in the game that's a situation where if you're coach Stigemeyer if you're Matt Ants, if it's you know you're looking at that 45 yard field goal late in the game Jake Reinholz has been money this year so we'll see how that plays in but uh, yeah Reinholdt again had a couple well I think at least the one nice field goal there NDSU recovered a fumble second possession Couldn't do anything with it despite the good field position, but Ryan holds, you know, not quite Mr. Automatic, but pretty close, comes in, bangs
1: it through for another field goal for the Bison. Yeah, about. I mean, he's about as good as you could ask for, for from an FCS kicker, right? Like I mean, I and even like FBS college football. When we're talking about kicking, it's not like the pros. I mean, it it can, it can for sure be pretty shaky. I'm trying to look up the stats here on on field on, goals
0: for Reinholds. Is that what? Uh, you're looking? No,
1: for the for SDSU's kicker. Well,
0: as you're as you're looking that up, I can tell our listeners here that uh, kicking it this year on field goals, Reinholds is 10 to 13. He had um, his misses. He had a 53 yarder. He missed against Albany. A 48 yarder. He missed against Towson, and outside of that, he's 10-11 of 11 on his last 11 field goals, which is seventy just shy of 77%. He's got a 45-yarder. He's got a, 40, a couple 46-yarders, a 41, a 43. And like you said, in college, those things aren't automatics. He's been pretty automatic from uh, 50 on in so far the last five, six games.
1: So we got SDSU's kicker, Cole Fromm, is 8 of 12. Or no, no. Excuse me, 12 of 18 so far on the 12 season. 12 of 18. With two Two blocks. Two so blocks. You, you don't know if that's the blocking or if it's Coming some, off low tra- like yeah. a line drive longer. Exactly. Tra- he does have a long of 54, so the leg is there. I mean, certainly, it certainly. Makes nervous because, though, doesn't it? 12 it does. 12 of
0: 18, you're down. Let's say you're down. Well, I don't care what you're down by, but fourth quarter, you're looking at a 46, 47 yarder. Gets kind of hairy. If you had a couple block, you're 12 of 18. Late game situations that that'll is that going to play a role? Well, which team's kicker comes through in the clutch to bang one home?
1: For sure, and I I think another thing I did I I don't know if I dreamed this or not is is there a possibility that Isaiah Davis returns for SDSU this week? He was practicing week? yesterday. He you was. saw
0: that on Twitter. Zimmer from the Argus tweeted it out, and then it got picked up that Davis practiced yesterday, and he was absolutely electric. In the national championship game when the teams played in Fargo last year, he had 16 carries for 84 yards. And SDSU just rushed, ran the ball all over the herd, in the dome last spring 46 carries for 305 yards two scores 6.6 yards per pop with that three-headed monster of granowski strong and isaiah davis
1: before before scoring all of his team's touchdowns in the national championship game and running for what i think he put up what like 150 160 like that so i mean he's he's definitely an x-factor he's definitely an x-factor in this contest um but, I mean, you know, like, like we said, I mean, you know, establishing the run, you know. I, yeah.
0: You know, you wonder, you mentioned an X factor Let's talk about Jalen Bussey because he's a guy, you know, the last few games we haven't really seen him at all, at all, against uh, Indiana State. And is that, is that by design? You know, you, you don't, you, you run uh, Lipke actually. Well, that's, that's uh, I'm looking at last fall's game. You know, let's see here. That's, that's uh, the last year's South Dakota State game. Bussy, we had four carries for only nine yards against Indiana State, but Colby had five runs. Tameric Williams is a guy that had like 23, 20. So maybe it's like a 28-yard touchdown. I suppose we could look at the box score and get it right for you. 20-yard run in the first quarter with three minutes left against Indiana State in the first quarter there. Bounced off a couple guys. He's a guy that's getting better week to week to week, and I suspect. Oh, he's, he's good. He's good. We're gonna. He's, getting, he's good, and he's getting better. I think we're going to see more of him this week against South Dakota State. Williams, number twenty-two, I talked about his pass block on the uh, the fifty-five 50- yarder to Babbage. Four carries for twenty-nine and a score. Kobe at five for a buck fifty-five, including the ninety-seven yarder. Dom Ganelli, you wonder if, if that calf injury he had in North Dakota hasn't really been kind of lingering and bothering him all year. He just hasn't hasn't really looked the same. He only had two catch or two rushes for for seven yards. Lipke. Maybe we see a lot of Mr. Lipke this weekend. Maybe they've been keeping him in the hip pocket, seven carries for 18. Um, there just so many weapons, and that's that's the, the one of the questions. How do you deploy him? How do you attack South Dakota State? And, and conversely, South Dakota State, on their part, you know the Yankee boys are both good wide receivers. they got the tight end that leads them in wide receiving. Ola Dukin's a dude. And then, uh, of course, Strong and Davis are a very formidable backfield there's just so there's so much going on in this game where it, you know what's going to happen now Brady everything we talked about it's going to be something to, totally just bonkers that decides the game someone from ndsu that we haven't even talked about is going to make just the crazy play and and decide it and be the hero but that's it's kind of one of these fun things about rivalry games is is seeing who emerges who's who's the guy that's going to make the play Who's the guy that's going to step up in, in the big moment? If you, if you had to, to uh, let's talk about that for a minute here. Wrapping up here on the Bison Illustrated Podcast for Champions, come to podcast. I'm Josh Swanson, senior columnist along with Brady Drake, editor in chief of the Bison Illustrated Podcast. If you had to pick one guy from NDSU that uh, is kind of the player of the game. Let's go with that on the offensive
1: side. Who do you go with? Oh man, that's
0: so. That would assume if it's I... player of the game that the Bison win the football. Game.
1: Yeah, I gotta think. I gotta think Christian Watson, man. I mean, it's it's the easy thing to say, but you know he pops a couple, pops a couple big ones, and I mean that just he he can flip a game like that. You know, obviously last week we saw Kobe Johnson, 97 yards, longest play from scrimmage in NDSU history. You can't get much more game flipping than that. But I I really think Christian Watson's gonna bust bust one or two hopefully, and I think that'll that'll be the difference for them.
0: Last year against the Jacks in the Dome in the spring, Christian had two catches for 74. Tough to go wrong there. If Christian has a big day at the Bison, probably going to be in pretty good shape. And, and then with those special teams too, I'm going to kind of go, you know, I, I think that there's <sighs> a lot of guys you can pick from. It's tough. It's, it's easy to say Kobe has a big day. I'm going to go with two sleepers. So I'll give you two names. Tameric Williams, Yeah. something about him. I, I think we, we might be talking about a multiple score game from him. And the other two, I think SDSU is going to be so focused, so focused on Watson. I think that a guy like Zach Mathis, Mathis number zero, or Phoenix Sproles, number 11, I see one of them making a big play. Sure. Whether if it's the one big catch for you know in the red zone or a 50-yarder for a touchdown, I think they're going to have some man opportunities. And Coach Entz alluded to it at his press conference a few weeks ago. Phoenix is finally back 100%. Those two guys, i Well, three guys really. That uh, someone that might pop out and make a big play that we're not really thinking about. And I know that's a different question than what I asked you, but I, I'll go with Tameric Williams, number twenty-two, Mathis number zero, or uh, Sproles number eleven. For some reason, those dudes are jumping out. How great would it be to see a guy like Jackson Hankey just get get to scoop and score, or Jasir to, that to would pick be... a pick six type thing? Boy, that would be nice.
1: You always have to worry about Jasir getting getting his hands on the football. I mean, he what a what a great player as far as being a linebacker and just like his brother kind of being able to play in that like nickel. I mean, you look at him and his body type, he looks like a defensive back out there, but being able to play at the linebacker position, I mean, that's really, really, that's well, maybe, really, you, really you, special. It's
0: nice there. You can have him out on the field in those passing situations, those third and long distance, or even those third and five, six. He's a, he's a, he's a guy that has a lot of range, and gives you a lot of flexibility on defense. I, I really hope to see James Kayser back. He's a difference maker on that defense. To have him and Hankey out there and just here at the same time, maybe the best linebacker tandem in the Missouri Valley Football Conference, and it would be really great to see him back. Uh, there's been no – actually, I don't know that he will play because – and maybe it's gamesmanship. I think this was the first week that he actually was not listed on the depth chart in the, the – um, Press the one the game notes handed out every Monday at Coach's Press or If I remembering right, I don't think Jaseer. I noticed that just or not Jaseer Kaiser. I don't think was on the depth chart at all. Is that a little gamesmanship? Will they be dressed out there playing? We'll find out uh, Saturday afternoon. But uh, tell me, you know, we've talked talked a lot about this matchup. How do you see this game unfolding on Saturday? How's it going to go down? You know,
1: tough to say. I mean, I think I think we see. Honestly, much to Bison fans' chagrin, I think we see both teams probably having a little bit of a tough time establishing the run. So we kind of see like the term you like to use, a little bit of a rock fight at the beginning. I think things open up in the second half, and I think we see probably a 24-21 to 21 finish uh, with the Bison winning um, and the field goal kicking possibly coming into play.
0: I, I see it a lot the same way, Brady. I really do. I think in the first half, you know, you might have each team's going to trade some blows. And, and in these games, we hear about the counter punches at each team. I, I know Coach Entz has talked about it heading into to national championship games and other big games where each team's going to land some big plays what team is gonna do the better job with the counter punch. So if you do give up that, you know, sixty yard play and they get down to your eight yard line, can you hold them to a field goal? Can you get the stop on fourth and one and, and flip the script kind of thing? So the counter punching, I think that's that's big, but I, I, I think I think you're exactly right. The team that can it, it's slow going. I think it's slow going right away when these teams last played, it was uh, six to three S D S U at the half. The teams had traded Three field goals, and NDSU's offense really, really struggled in the first half to get things moving. Not the last time they played. The last time they played down in Brookings in 2019 when NDSU had those two. And NDSU had a touchdown called back on a a BS penalty there in the first half. That's neither here nor there. But then Ty Brooks popped that 59-yard touchdown run to give NDSU a 10-6 lead. And then Ben Ellison had the six-yard reception touchdown pass from Trey. Then the Bison went for two. So instead of going up 11, which was a head scratcher at the time, you're up 10. Why don't you take the 11 point lead? Make them need to score a touchdown and a two point to beat you. We go for the two. It fails. It's 16 to six. Then SDSU responds with a field goal. And then both teams trade punts. And SDSU ties it 16 16 with seven minutes. I think it's a game. I I think this game's decided in the latter part of the fourth quarter. I really do. I think NDSU pulls away late. Uh, On KFGO earlier this week, I said 27 24. Uh, I'm a, I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to I'm going to go with 27-24. But I think we're going to have like a 10 to three or 10 to seven, 10 to six kind of game at the half. I think things open up a, a little bit more in the second half. But yeah, that we'll we'll put a full ball on it. We talked about it earlier. In a game like that, when it's 27-24, team that wins a turnover margin probably wins. Team that scores in the red zone, touchdown instead of field goal, probably wins. And and uh, I these teams are just so. They're both these teams are so good and so well-coached that that really the only games you see these get out of hand. I mean, you could talk about the NDSU juggernaut teams when with Easton's senior year and everything, but the, the only time that the games other than that got to be two scores, turnovers had a big role in it. I, I just don't see either team, either Cam or Ole Duke know, It was uncharacteristic. Easton sticks probably worst game as a Bison back in the fall, October 2016. Coincidentally, the last time the Bison lost in, in October – was 2016. The Bison have not lost a football game in October since 2016. Easton had like four or five turnovers, just an uncharacteristically bad game for him. And then the Bison you know, respond by a, a roaring back and, and winning a national championship. And that was 2017 down in Brookings. I think that was 2017 Easton had the five, four or five turnovers in, in Brookings because it was a the year they won the title, roared back. And uh, I, I just don't see either team, especially on a nice day when it's 63 and sunny field conditions shouldn't be an issue. I mean, Stuff happens in football games, but I just don't see either quarterback having four or five turnovers. And I'm going twenty-seven, twenty-four. Tight game, tight ball game, man.
1: Yeah, I mean this. This makes you love football, right? This is the this is the things we get up for. Is you know. Big time games like this, so I'm really excited. Throw a trophy in there too and everything. Yeah, Dakota gets, Market you gotta, trophy, you yeah. gotta love trophies, fan man. Fan bases
0: talking talking smack uh, between between one another. You you gotta love that too. The fan base is chirping. Like I posted something last Saturday after the Indiana State game. And DSU actually has a uh, the top rated defense in the valley, no surprise. But the number third ranked the number third ranked offense. And I said they're the most complete team and S D S U fans took on bridge to that while well, I'm a Bison guy. I host, co-host the Bison Illustrated podcast and have a radio show called Heard It Here, Jackasses from Rookings. What do you think I'm going to say about North Dakota State? You're uh, putting your SDSU degree to use down there, fellas. But, yeah, it, it's it's fun when you have a trophy, and whoever loses this just feels bad, players and fans alike. Like it's you got to hear from the other team's fan bases, and there's a lot at stake. But that'll do it here. We'll recap next week on the Bison Illustrated podcast, talking about the winner of the Dakota marker game in playoff, Coming up, playoffs right around the corner, Seating implications, all that other stuff. For Brady Drake, I'm Josh Swanson reminding you that the strength of the herd is the bison, and the strength of the bison is the herd.
1: Thank you for listening to the Bison Illustrated podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on either SoundCloud or iTunes. Reach out to us on Twitter at Bison Mag. You can subscribe to the magazine at BisonIllustrated.com.
0: This is Josh Swanson, host of Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 The Fan. The march is on every Saturday morning from 8 to 9, getting you ready for NDSU football. That's Heard It Here on 740 The Fan and 107.3 FM.